I am excited to announce my new podcast, Giving Legends. It's an opportunity for me, Hannibal Navies, and my co-host, Charlie Batch, to talk with people of influence who are committed to building a legacy through service. Stay tuned and learn what makes them Giving Legends. What's going on? Welcome to another edition of Giving Legends Podcast. I am Charlie Batch, joined by my co-host, Mr. Hannibal Navies. What's up, Charlie Batch? What's going on? Today, we have an exciting show, man. This is a guy who's an actor, author, entrepreneur, former NFL player. Man, this is a guy, jack of all trades, man. Welcome to the show, Mr. Stevie Bags. What's going on, money, brother? Money, up, money, money, bags. What's up, family? <laughs> Thank y'all for having me, man. I'm, I'm excited to have, have this conversation. Absolutely. Man. Oh, man, it's awesome because you get a chance to talk about everything that you're doing because people, people see everything on the backside, but not the journey on what it took to get there. No, absolutely. And we're going to start from the beginning. Obviously, growing up in Fort Lauderdale, having the opportunity to go to Bethune-Cookman, man. Mm -hmm. tell, me, tell me what that process was like. Man, that's a that's a great question. Because I'll tell you this. If I would have stayed in South Florida and Pompano, Fort Lauderdale, and done what I did in Orlando, Florida, I could have went to any school in the nation. Mm -hmm. But when I ended up going to an all-white high school, Lake Brantley, in uh, Altamont Springs, I had 26 quarterback sacks. I was all state. And uh, I had SAT, 3.3 GPA. So I'm thinking I'm going wherever I want. Mm -hmm. Well, I only got offered from Bethune Cookman, Carson Newman, and Austin P. Mm -hmm. That was it. Mm -hmm. So now I'm like, hold on, what's, you know, what's going on? And me being a first generation college student, nobody in, out of, on, on either sides of my grandparents, nobody had ever even went to college or university, right? So I didn't have anyone that kind of showed me, hey, this is what you need to do. Or man, your talent's good enough. You need to walk on here. But I ended up going to Bethune Cookman, which I'm so thankful for. I love my journey and my HBCU, you know, life. It, it was amazing. Uh, but having 40 sacks, being a three-time All-American, winning the same award as Jack, as, uh, as uh, Jerry Rice, Walter Payton, Michael Strand, how I won that same award as Black College Player of the Year. And uh, I still didn't get drafted. You know, I was a free agent and, and, and played, you know, with Detroit my rookie year, then got allocated to NFL Europe and all those, that whole journey, bro, being on 11 teams in 10 years, five NFL, five CFL, one arena, I tell people it, it was because my spiritual uh, maturation didn't match uh, where my, my talent level was. And I probably would have been a statistic, bro, honestly mm -hmm. speaking. And so I'm thankful for that journey. And I'm thankful that, you know, looking back, I was able to, you know, go through it and, uh, and come out, you know, where I am now. So I, I just want to pause there for a moment because obviously making it to the NFL statistically is low, mm -hmm. but didn't have any opportunity. Not many people get, get a chance to make it to the NFL, but yet HBCU. At what point did you think that maybe there's an opportunity that one of those 32 teams would know who Stevie B is? Well, it's funny you say that because um, my first two plays as a true freshman were two sacks back to back. And we were playing in the Jacksonville Jaguar Stadium. So we're playing against Savannah State, and my first two plays on defense were two sacks back to back. So all my teammates at the time were like, "Bro, this boy going to the league, <laughs> right?" And then you know having having DBs like Machine Mathis and Nick Collins, you know those are two of my guys. They they both went second round, and if you look at the film, I was the one coming off the edge, man. And there's you no, know, I I you know I I used to have a lot of resentment. Uh, about that, right? About going to HBCU or about being a talented player that didn't necessarily get the shot that I wanted to get. 
uh, at the pro level, but I also understand how important it is to have your own journey and your own path so that now doing the work that we do, uh, it's been a it's been a real benefit. It really truly has, man. Because now I, you know, writing my first book called Greater Than the Game, I, I see my value outside of football, and then being able to come from many different dimensions and telling people that there's different stories that you will have as a pro athlete, mm -hmm. you know, and and you know, meeting so many amazing brothers during that journey, playing on eleven teams, I met so many amazing people, and that is probably more valuable than making the hundred million dollars that I thought I missed as, as an athlete when I really think about it. When you, you know, I, I've been, you know, I've known you long enough to see you on some of that journey, uh, you know, getting on teams and going to Canada, coming mm -hmm. back, getting on another NFL team, going back to Canada and balling out, killing and coming back. I remember there was years you balled out so hard in Canada. I'm like, oh, you definitely gonna get on this squad, right? And it would happen. How and when did you say, okay, this is enough? And, how, and what made you realize and understand? When did it come into you, your your realm where you understood you were a bit more than football? Mm, great question, bro. Wow. You saying all that brings back the memories because I had so many times when people were like, bro, just leave football alone, bro. You like, you've done enough. Mm. And it was like, I always had so much more in me because I just wanted to continue to prove that I belonged at the highest level. And it's like, I remember the year I led the CFL in Saxon. I should have won defensive player of the year, but that's a whole nother story. And then I came back and I balled in Arizona during training camp and I just knew I was gonna, gonna finally stick. And, you know, they uh they sat me down the first week, because you know mm -hmm. if you if you play as a veteran that first week, then you guaranteed mm -hmm. for the year. Yeah. So they sat me down the first week, but they go to St. Louis, they go to St. Louis at the time, the Rams in St. Louis, and they beat the Rams. Mm -hmm. So then they were like, Well, Stevie, nah, man, we're gonna leave, you know, we're gonna not not pick you up. So then I got a I got an offer to go back to Canada to be the highest paid defensive player in the league. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna stick with Canada, man. I'm just gonna, you know, hang it up, go, go to Canada. Bro, I signed a contract. The very next week they get beat by the Falcons mm -hmm. and then Arizona Cardinals call me back. But I, they wouldn't let me out of my contract mm -hmm. wow. in Canada. So it's that type of wow. stuff that kind of lets wow. let me know like your journey is your journey and you have to be very, very you know, concrete and knowing and understanding that everything happens for a reason, bro. And, and so, you know, as much as it hurt to yeah. kind of miss not only the the money and the accolades and the respect that people who don't know sure. how well you play comes with that. Um, I, I, now, like I said, I have more peace with it now than ever, sure. you know? So it, it was tough though, bro. It was tough. It's tough seeing guys that you know you're yeah, better than hard. that are actually playing. I yeah. tell people all the time, the best, players, you've never seen them. Mm. Either because of trouble, because of politics, because of a bad choice or chance that they took, right? And, and you know, my senior year, it's 21 teams showed up to Bethune-Cookman, but I was training for the combine and I didn't go. That was the year they allowed Maurice Claret and a lot of the young boys mm -hmm. from the, the PWIs, the big schools to go. So it kicked my, it kicked my nod to the, uh, to the combine out. I was doing 35 reps, 225 back then, and I was running four, five, four, six. I tweaked my hamstring training for the combine. Mm. My agent at the time told me, don't go to Bethune because they're gonna try to force you to run. Me not having any mentorship, mm. no one in my life just be like, hey son, do this right. or do that. Right. I stayed, listen to this guy, 21 teams at a HBCU, bro, and I'm not there. Didn't even show up. I didn't even show up. Wow. So, you know, I was lucky to even get a free agent call from Detroit. 
honestly, because they could have looked at me and just blacklisted me mm. from that. So it's just, it's so many different things, right? That's why I tell people money is not power. Education is not power. Information is power. Mm. And if you have the right information, you can display the right power. Mm. You know, and, and what's the difference between education and information? Well, you can have a degree. You can have a master's degree, but no knowledge of the master's. You can have a PhD, but no GOD. You know what I mean? And so when, you, when you're missing the link of information, that can cost you millions of, millions of dollars, in my case, literally, you know? So it, it's real, bro. And, and, you know, I was really interested in having you on, on this podcast with Charlie and I, too, because the, the name is Given Legends, right? And, you know, I look at my career. I played nine years in the NFL, but I'm not going to Hall of Fame. and ain't no Pro Bowls, any of that kind of stuff. But, I, I mean, I was a dog, but I didn't. That's not That wasn't part of my, my journey, right? But my legacy won't be defined by my football, right? My legacy will be defined in other ways, which is, you know, it was why I do my philanthropy and my giving, giving back to my community. I see you in that same light, man. So talk to me a little bit. When did you start? Why did you start? And kind of how did you begin to transition and, and, and the light go off to say, you know what? This, that was my journey, but my legacy can live on throughout this. Because you always had a good brand, right? But, your, yeah. you know, your legacy and what I've always known you, your brand to be has always been giving back, right? So talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, and I, and I got to pay homage to you too, brothers, for, for what you all do too. Because I think that when we synergize uh, these collective efforts and we support one another mm -hmm. in our efforts, we now help create a different mindset sure. for not only young people, mm -hmm. but their families as well, because right. they see us in a different light. Mm -hmm. And so I'll say that to say in 2000, um, when I went to university, when I got to Bethune, um, by the time I you know, was about to graduate, man, I, you know, I was, you know, like I said, I was very celebrated at Bethune. So they used to have me go speak mm -hmm. at all the elementary, middle school, and high schools in the local area. Mm -hmm. And I just was like, man, wow. Right. It was just rewarding. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like, dang, to, to have someone respond to you just wearing a jersey right. in a local mm -hmm. college and they looking up to you like, oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. And like, it was just, it's, it's something just hit me. Mm -hmm. Well, I didn't even know at the time, my mom, she used to take young ladies from an orphanage in Orlando and she used to bring them to the house and teach them women's etiquette. Mm -hmm. And she was teaching them how to cook and That's what dope. to put in a purse That's and dope. how to be a real woman because they didn't have a maternal figure in their life, they were in the orphanage. Right. So by the time I graduated, we had already talked about starting CETA, which stands for Creating Empowerment Through Autonomy. So you know, now you're talking about 20 years, going on 21 years, that we founded this, this nonprofit, man, and it's been, like I said, the most rewarding thing that I could have done. To your point, you know, running up and down the field for your oppressor, if you name it, that's great. And this is me talking, but the most rewarding thing you can do is use that platform mm. to be a gift and a light to somebody else's mm. life. And no matter, I, I had a problem going into the league with that because I was so highly celebrated at Bethune that everybody knew I was going to the league. But when it didn't happen, mm. it was like, I didn't want to give back anymore because I thought that giving back was based upon how great I was on the mm. field, not just how great I was That's as a deep. man. So it was, it was the image of me, not the essence of who I really was and what I represented, bro. And, and when I found out the essence of me was greater than the game, which is why I wrote the book, Greater Than the Game, I was like, man, my value is not based upon my bank account or what I do for a living. It's based upon the light and the essence that was given to me by the most high. Mm. And so when I when I was able to really start to really stand on that, no matter where I played at, bro, it could it could be, I could could have been a practice squad player, but I was gonna go give back. They they knew that the people knew they could always call on me to go in the community 
And that's what ingratiated me with so many fans and so many people because they saw beyond the, the game that, man, this dude really cares, you know? And so that's what it was, bro. I would like to thank Athletes Charitable for sponsoring today's Given Legends podcast. Athletes Charitable offers a concierge membership service that provides the tools and resources to build a legacy through service. Our athlete-led team has the first-hand experience and expertise to provide hands-on support that simplifies the entire process for athletes and entertainers to reach their social entrepreneurship goals and create lasting impact in their communities. To learn more, check out the link in the bio. And I think, you know, hearing you and I, and I, and I you know, learning every more and more about you. And there's a step in there, you know, that I feel like, you know, maybe we miss. And there's a lot of players that go through this step, which is that separation anxiety, right? Mm. You go from being great at one thing and trying to figure out what's next, but yet you go to that separation anxiety and then you come out on top. You're like, okay, I wrote the book. I just want to peel just a layer back and take me through that process of finishing up the career, wanting to play maybe one more year, but mm. yet trying to figure out what's next. How did you go through that? So that's a good question <clears throat> because let me tell you something, bro. When I left the game, um, of course, many of us leave when we don't want to leave, mm -hmm. right? Uh, kudos to those brothers that leave mm -hmm. and they got to trust. Not many of us. Yeah, yeah, it's not right. many. many of us, yeah. So when 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 I when I um, when I got released, I was in Canada, and they they released me. I had just come back from the Ravens. I tore my quad Super Bowl year. This is another thing people don't understand about football. I got an accredited season year for the Super Bowl year of 2012, but I don't get a ring because guess what? If you're not on that final game roster, you don't get a ring, even mm. though you literally have an accredited season. Right. So that's just right. another form of the politics that people don't understand outside looking in that this game is all about. So I, I'm saying that to, to when I went to Canada, I'm trying to come back on a bad wheel. So I'm coming back, coming back. It just didn't happen. So I literally stayed in Canada, cold Canada, Calgary, for one more year, and I was just grinding it out, bro. My my knee, it was something else, shoulder, something else would happen. But I ended up putting together a great camp. So I thought I was, I thought I was gonna, you know, stick. They released me. As soon as the week that they released me, bro, the next week I got a speaking role on a Tyler Perry show mm -hmm. called For Better or Worse. So now, mind you. People have been telling me, man, you need to get into commentating. You need to get into acting. You need to do, you need to focus on your speaking career, man. Just let football go. And I'm like, man, no, I still, I can still go. You know how we, yeah. I can still, I still got it, baby. And man, the depression and anxiety, both that I was facing, I didn't even see it, bro. Mm. Because I jumped into so many other things that were distracting me. And then I thought I was still going to go back. Mm. So I was still training for football, but I had a deal with Young Living Essential Oils. I had this Tyler Perry thing, and then I started getting getting into the acting, and then I had some speaking stuff coming. So I'm like, oh man, hold up. I, you know, I really didn't recognize the depression was blind. Mm. The anxiety was blind because it didn't hit me until I found out that my daughter was about to be born. And I'm like, holy Toledo. Right. Like I, I'm having a child by a woman who I really don't even know, you know, and like because you're making decisions not from a grounded space. You're making decisions. I tell people anxiety is fear of your future. Depression is fear of your past. So if you're in those two spaces, you can't be grounded in the present to be able to make sound choices for your, you know, for your future. And and consequently, man, that that downtime, 
um, I, I, I was only able to snap out of it when, oh man, you got a child on the way. And guess what? Um, you might not get another call. Well, I ended up opening a restaurant called Dream Cafe. And I was doing well, I was feeling good, I was making some money. And man, I got a call to go back to Canada and I turned it down. Because mm. at that point I had peace with it and I was like, you know what, you know. No, I'm good, man. Because I didn't want to deal with the politics, I didn't want to deal with bureaucracy anymore. I didn't, I didn't want to deal with, okay, I got to go in here and do whatever you got to do to play the game mm. that we love playing. But I was like, my health, you know, it was more important than, than just doing that. So that's, that's where I was at, man. Yeah, at some point things become, it, it, I remember that time where it triggered in my head when things just started to become more important than football. Because it's part of our lives where football was so important. Nothing came before football, right? Relationships, nothing. We always, football was going to come first. And it was a point in my life where it just, it just clicked. I'm like, football don't come first. Like, that's, yeah, that's, exactly. that's not that. It's not the most important thing in my life. And that's when my mind expanded me to types to want to, to really be able to retire on my own, be able to do certain things. I probably could play one more year, two more years, but I, I felt like one more year in football, just like how you said, will be one, one, one more year behind in life, mm-hmm. right? So I had to take that step, but I, you know, that's when it started to click, my child being born, my daughter being born, things of that nature. But you know, that, that's what kind of got me to that point. If we circle back to, to kind of, you know, me and you talked about the labor of love of our foundations, right? And, mm-hmm. and you said 20 plus years you've been doing it, and it's not easy, right? And we've talked about that. Why are you still doing it? What what drives you to continue to still do it? Mm. I, I think the driving for, force, bro, is, is really, truly, when you have something that you know can help other people, and when you recognize that people are not going to remember your how many tackles or sacks we had or mm. how many passes you threw for it, they're going to remember how you impacted their spirit, their mm. soul. And, and you impact people by really giving back. And... And a lot of the things we give back is not tangible. The most things that we give back are intangible. Mm. You know, provision and protection is not, doesn't just come in the form of money and a gun. It mm. comes in the form of, hey, what's your health looking like? Mm. Hey man, maybe you change the way you look at this and process this information. Like, and, and because we have such a wealth of information, being one percenters, because I think a lot of brothers who played this game and made it to the highest level, we don't understand how important we are to the fabric of our society mm-hmm. and the fact that we are one percenters. You know, there's mm-hmm. literally more billionaires in the world than there is uh, NFL players on rosters mm-hmm. every year. So I, I, we don't right. understand our value sometimes because we get it misconstrued because we're not maybe making the check we want or we didn't get the Pro Bowl snub or we got this or right. the contract or whatever. But no, bro, hold on. It's 2,300 people on the planet doing what you do. That's so, it. That's it. Like NFL and twenty three hundred people. That's it. Cause, come on, man. You gotta you gotta really find out how elite you are. And so if we bottle that up, and we're able to give it back to the people, like I said, that's the most rewarding thing we can do, bro. Is the information that we have, the 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 drive, the stick to itiveness that that just never give up mm. that we possess, bro. That's why corporations wanna wanna connect with us. That's why you, your neighborhood people they look up to you because. At the end of the day, bro, what we did and what we do is not regular. True. It's really legendary. To, oh, yeah. to your point, it's legendary. Giving back is legendary. You know, okay, you made some plays on the field, great. But how are you impacting the people with that platform? Mm. That's the biggest question. And I know mentorship is big for you. Mm-hmm. Is there a story or two that you may have to say, you want to know what? I didn't think I planted that seed, but yet I did, and it came to fruition? Mm. 
their story or their, their, something that as you're giving back that maybe stands out more than others? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's so many, but there's one that ties into greater than the game for me. A young man, we had, had a football camp at New Schools of Carver, and he was one of our students that uh, frequented our after-school program as well. Well, fast forward, he got a full-ride scholarship to Alabama State, and he was he was so excited. He called me, Mr. Stevie, yeah, man, I got I got a full ride. And I'm like, man, great. I thought I thought he was calling me about that, but he was like, I got I have some decisions to make. And he's like, I um I'm also the number two DECA student in the nation. He was the number two DECA student. For those of you who don't know what DECA is, it's like a marketing thing in high school. And he was the number two student in the nation for DECA. He got offered a job making $90,000 at 17 years old, which was more than both his parents combined coming out of high school. So he literally was greater than the game. And his value was shown off of what he, what a company saw his value at in marketing over his scholarship. So he went in, he went in and started working for the company instead of playing football. And, and I thought that was beautiful because that, that was a choice that I didn't have. I, I, and I think, and I can assume that Many of you guys right, didn't have it, right. right? It's like, so when you are able to leverage your, your intellect as well as your athletic ability and I can pick and choose what I want to do, that's greater than the game. And I think that's, those, those types of story, that story in particular sticks with me because, you know, I didn't have that choice. And I was able to be a part of giving help to give him the light and show him the light of himself that he has more to offer than just putting on a, that Rodell. You know, or, Man, you know. That, that is awesome. I love this, the, the script that you're continuing to write. It never changes. That narrative is always continuing. You're always pushing that needle and moving that needle. When you get to that point, I want to I want to go to acting because there's not a lot of people mm -hmm. that kind of go through football into acting. It may take them a little bit of time, but you roll right into it. Yeah. As you go through that process, you know, as people who are listening, what you know, what were some of the things that you went through and then ultimately got you to that part where like, wow, I'm really on screen. Right. Well, you know, I took it for granted when it first happened, Bash, for real, bro, because when I first got on screen, I just thought, okay, it was my look and charisma that did it. But no, there's literally an art to this thing. There's literally some time you got to put into this to really, really uh, find out if you have enough chops to, to, yeah. to stand on screen with people who went to school for this. Right. So, like, when I'm on screen with someone or I'm on set with someone who literally it would be like somebody trying to come to football practice with us. Like, bro, really? You about to get your head knocked off, right? And you know, it's like, and so they look at, they looked at, they look at me sometimes as that, like, oh, okay, we know you play football, but bro, you're not a thespian. Like, you don't, you don't know what it takes. You don't know Stanislavski or Meisner techniques, or you don't know how to really hear what I'm saying and respond to that. And so, man, over the years, bro, I've I've grown such an appreciation and an affinity for this art because it gives me a chance to have a same or similar platform or maybe even a bigger platform than I had playing pro football. Because as you know, we have the helmets on and, and to Bull's point earlier about when you're a journeyman like I was, no, like if you knew me, you knew football, but if you didn't know me or if you weren't in the CFL, you didn't, I made all-star in the CFL, but I never made a pro bowl in the NFL. So it's like people, they may not have known, known me from football, they not they 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 find out who I am through TV film now, and now I can use that platform to do the same thing. What we're talking about, giving back, because that's really what it boils down to for me. I, what we've done, man, we can really go right off into the sunset if we wanted to, like really. But like doing what we do, taking time out away from your family, taking time away from your personal 
health and wellness journey to go say, no, I'm going to go back to my community and, and, and I'm going to go back to the place, my tribe and give these people some information. Man, that, that, that right there, the most high, the most high will always honor that. And that's why I know I've been so gifted with everything I've done outside of football because that's my true heart. That's my true intentions. I would like to thank United Charitable for sponsoring today's Giving Legends podcast. United Charitable is a national nonprofit that focuses on guiding you on your charitable journey. Whether you like to simply streamline your giving or you like to create your own charitable initiative, United Charitable has the knowledge and resources to support you. If you'd like to learn more, check out the link in our bio. Man, getting back to, to the Cedar Foundation, tell me a little bit, because obviously we're going to have some, some young, you know, some young athletes, some young, you know, entertainers or some young people of influence listening to this who want to get into philanthropy. Tell me early on in your journey some things that you should look out for, that some, some, some up-and-coming, you know, philanthropists oh, should look man. out for. I'm sure, you know, doing it for 20 years, I can speak from experience and make yeah. a lot of mistakes, right? So yep. tell, tell me, you know, give me some feedback. If you had to, if you was gaming me up and saying, mm. man, look out for this, do this this way, don't make the same mistakes I did, what would, what would that be? Wow. I mean, you know, that's a long list. <laughs> but I, but yeah. I'll say, um, make sure that your heart is in the right place, sure. right? Like, that would be the first thing. Mm. I, I would say, make sure that your why yeah. is in alignment yep. because this is not for the faint of heart. Mm. As we all know, um, when you're dealing with, you know, in our in our case, we had nine after school uh, programs where we did enrichment courses here with the city of Atlanta. And so then you have to go through, if a mayor changes or, or a councilman changes or the commissioner changes, uh, we had to do a new RFQ, a new RFP, or maybe an ITB. Those are different, um, words that are acronym, letters for acronyms, that basically means you got to submit a whole bunch of information to tell these people that you're doing what mm -hmm. you've been doing for years. And you have to worry about them mm -hmm. uh, choosing your organization to, to still get these, this funding. I would, I would say that for entertainers coming into it, make sure your heart is in the right place. Make sure that you know what your mission really is for real and make sure you're not just doing it for show. And when you do that, you're not now. You're not just a philanthropist. You're not just a person writing a check. I call. I made up a word called charitist. I think there's a difference between philanthropy and charity. Charity is in the trenches doing the work. Philanthropy is writing a check. Mm -hmm. But when you marry the marry the two, it's a charitist. Because as y'all know, we had to get out there and do those at those football camps, and and we had to really go set up. You know those cones and okay, boom. But now you know from from you doing the the 360 academy. There's a there's a component, an educational component mm, piece absolutely. to that, which was your hands on mm -hmm. because you recognize that there was holes. 100%. I think for anybody coming into, you know, these philanthropic endeavors, uh, make sure your books are right. You know, make sure you're 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 spending your money properly and make sure you're filing the taxes properly. Because I, I mean, we've seen so many stories of people not doing it mm. in a righteous manner and, and it doesn't work out. You don't you're not in this game for 20 years doing uh, this type of work, like we've been doing twenty plus years, and and if your book's not right, it'll it'll oh, show. Yeah, it's gonna come. It'll, people can look your nonprofit up to make sure Real that you're quick. on point. So yeah, I, I I would say that make sure your why is in alignment. Make sure you know your why, not just in philanthropy but in life. Mm. But but also make sure that you're aligned with your mission, and that you connect with the right people who can um keep your books uh, from a fiscal per standpoint. Yeah. Uh, keep your books in order. 
um, not just, um, you know, with what you're spending, but how are you getting money? Because you, that's another thing. It's hard to get money when people think you have so much money. Yeah. Oh, you a football player? You on TV? Are you a app? You know, artist? So we don't. We're not gonna donate to your cause, but we're gonna show up to the bowling event right. and bowl for free right. and right. take pictures. Or we're gonna show up to the right. 5K. But no, no, it takes energy called money to to do the things that we're doing. And that's why I think we have to, as people who have of influence, we have to start partnering more and really talking about how we can really cultivate this stuff um, when, in, a, in a more impactful way mm. when we collaborate. Yeah, you bring up a good point too. And Charlie always talks about this, right? Is with athletes and philanthropy, it don't work if you don't show up. You <laughs> It doesn't work. Charlie talks about this all the time, and it's like a pet peeve of his. Like, dude, don't do philanthropy with your name on something, but then you don't show up, right? You're not there. You're not involved. And you you mentioned this a little bit in what you just said. I mean, I, you know, philanthropy or charity, it's nothing but a business. It's a business, right? And you're not going to have a business and not show up to your business. You're not going to have a business and not show up every day and make sure everything is run right. So in, in, in this game of nonprofit philanthropy, you know, charity, whatever we want to call it, or giving back, you gotta show up, you gotta yep. be involved. At some point you gotta roll your sleeves up and do what you gotta do. Just like you said, I've I've done it for over 20 years. Charles, knows he has a credible staff and does all this, but Charlie does the work. Right. <laughs> I'm still there. I, I have a staff that do stuff, that does stuff at 360, but I'm still there early setting up doing this and being there, being involved in the decisions and so are you, right? So at some point, you know, we are the, the, the brand, so to speak, or the athlete or the entertainer, but at some mm -hmm. point you got to roll up your sleeves because you want it to represent you, you want it to look like you and sound like you. And if your heart is not in the right place, like you mentioned, it ain't none of those things will align. Well, I have one statement and I have a question for, for both of y'all. Um, my statement is that my mom was like, during the off season when you here, the board, they all show up on time, they boom, boom, because I, I was there. Then when the season came, all of a sudden, everybody started dwindling, mm -hmm. right? It wasn't the same energy because you weren't, you know, we're not there. Right. <clears throat> so be careful of that. Yeah. For the people that, yeah. you know, make sure people who you're connected are to for on your right staff yeah. are there for the right reasons. Mm -hmm. And then my set, my question is, since y'all got staffs, you know, you know, we don't strike. Right now. <laughs> you know, we're so I mean, y'all, y'all hiring. I mean, y'all, y'all want to come have me come we in. Go, we gonna talk to this man. Right? <laughs> he, he, he got the big foundation. Nah, he this man. Nah. <laughs> nah, I just wanted to, you know interject some some humor in there, man. But it, it's this this conversation, man, is really beautiful, and I think is I think is much needed because you know so many guys have their names on foundations, mm. and, and and women have their names on foundations. I didn't want it. I didn't want Cedar to be named after me. I wanted to work to speak for itself and then let everything go, mm -hmm. um, you know, accordingly, sure. right? And and no no offense, no harm, no no disrespect to anybody who, whose nonprofit is named after them. But I, I think that when you do when you do this work, man, uh, your heart will show. It'll mm -hmm. it'll show in, in in the work. Your your intentions will show in the work. Absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, you, I I, I love what you've done, bro. Over the, the consistency, I haven't followed Charlie's nonprofit. But I just I just know the consistency and 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 the heart that you've always had. Cause even when you showed up to my camps mm. together, like that's what we do. Yeah, we we yeah. just we support we barter the yeah. support with one yes. another, man. Because yes, your light adds value. Absolutely. When they see one lion, that's one thing. But when they see three, hold up, man. We gotta respect right, that. Right, right. And so I just think that once we once we continue to do that, like I said before, I think collaborative efforts are always mm. important. Super. We have a lot of people who are watching it and they always networking always comes up. Mm -hmm. How important was that for you as you continue to grow your brand over the years? I think networking is is amazing. Um, 
you, I want to, I want to say something about mentorship that'll go into networking because I didn't feel like I answered that. The mentorship component will help you with your networking. It, I have a mentor in every area of my life. I have a spiritual mentor. I have a health mentor. I have an uh, economic mentor. I have people who see something and feed into different parts of my life, mm -hmm. and it makes me more of a holistic person, mm -hmm. better. Um, and and that has come from networking, right? I found mentors by networking. I found mentors by being in certain spaces at certain times, and I was able to connect with people who had a like mind um, in something that I was interested in myself, right? So I tell people networking is not about who you know. People always say it's about who you know. Mm. It's not about who you know. It's about who knows you and who's willing to give you an opportunity, mm. right? I know the biggest uh, Fortune 500 company CEO, but if they don't know you, they're not going to be willing to donate to your cause. Right. And, and so even in business um, with, with TV film, when a, when a casting director knows your work or a producer knows your work, oh, sometimes you may not even have to audition. They're like, you know, you know I seen what he did on that last mm. TV series. We're going to bring him in. Right. And that's what life is, is about. So, so with networking with the nonprofit sector or 501c3 sectors, it's the same way, man. When people, um, when people know the work that you've done, they're gonna reach out to you. They be like, man, I remember we had a young man that said they came to the Charlie Batch event and it changed his life. So we wanna do something for y'all, with mm. y'all. And that's that's what's up to me. There it is. That's what we talk about it all the time, man. And I know as we get ready to wrap this up, man, I just wanted to say thank you for coming on the show because literally not many people knew a lot about you coming into it, but they learned a lot as the show went on. So. Mm -hmm. We, we appreciate that for, but for people who are following and listening, man, how can they get in touch with you? Everything is Stevie Baggs Jr. Uh, S-T-E-V-I-E-B-A-G-G-S-J-R. That's my website, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, Facebook, all that. But I, I'm, I'm doing an, I'm doing a, uh, a conversation and it's called All Conscious Minds. So it's allconsciousminds.org. And if people want to log into that, that'll be something good. Uh, this is for people who feel like every time they speak, they can't, uh, their truth is not heard, or people call them conspiracy theorists, or uh, they they talk against you know the narrative that other people, pop culture or things that are status quo. If you feel that way, have ever felt that way, uh, then allconsciousminds.org is is something where you can come feel free to have conversation with people who have a, a like mind or people who um, have have kind of been felt you know not appreciated. In, in a space that we're in in this world right now. So that's that's something new that I that I have going on and I, and I just wanted to definitely mention. Yeah, so I appreciate y'all brothers for having yeah, me. Yeah, man, thanks for coming on, man. It's always enlightening to to talk to you, Bags. You you always you always give me a little food for thought, man, every time I talk to you, man. So I appreciate you coming on. Iron sharp as iron, my brother. Absolutely. Peace and there you, Hey, there you have it, man. We told you this was a guy, jack of all trades. We gave it to you from Hannibal Navy, Mr. Stevie Bags. Thanks for joining us on this, this, this edition of Giving Legends. Find us on YouTube, Instagram, and LinkedIn and comment on what inspires you to be a giving legend in your community.